Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast, episode 128. And Peter and I are here again, Dr. Peter Bernstein. We're here again and we are still really enjoying and getting a lot out of Patty Davis's book, Floating in the Deep End, How Caregivers Can See Beyond Alzheimer's. As you can see, we're about halfway through. And Peter has been looking at some passages. She is such a good writer and so uh, able to describe and um, have compassion for caregivers. And in, in this section of the book that we're looking at, she is talking about the emotions that are stimulated and come up when you're caring for someone you love. Yeah. Well, you know, she talks about specifically dealing with Alzheimer's, being a caregiver for a father. The, what she brings up and what she talks about applies to all caregivers, though. And it's a very confrontive kind of work to do. And she talks about it in such a personal way and yet with real expertise and a passion. Um, and she talks about how it changed her and made her grow up. Uh, but I think what's really t what really is interesting to me about her is uh, she had to make some she had to make some choices about growing up and what that meant. And uh, she it's a very good lesson for a lot of people who don't understand um, their emotional life very well, or if they do, they, they live inside it so much that they, they, they see everything out of that old emotion. Uh, they, they believe that that's, that's everything in life and that's feeling, and it really isn't. It's like when they say a fish in water doesn't really understand the water anymore. It's just such taken for granted and so so familiar that you can't always step back or people don't always step back and see the reality of Well, it's partly familiarity, it's partly choice. Uh, there's a lot of people that um, are carrying a lot of burdens from their past. Um, pr pr many times, particularly with some kind of troubles with their parents when they're growing up or some other kind of abuse. But I think when you get into the caregiving role, it's not a role that you're just taking care of somebody in need. It's, it's a very different reality. A friend of mine who was, uh, uh, that I met was a, uh, uh, a arson investigator, but he was a, had been a paramedic. And one of the things he said to me is what we call it an alternative reality. We call it an extraordinary reality. We use that term, yes. And what it really means is it's not something, uh, I think it's a calling, but uh, one of the things that strikes me about it is it, it, it makes you face yourself. And a lot of the things that you've carried your, on uh, and indulged uh, and carried heavily, it makes you come to grips with it because it does affect how you're going to relate to these people that you're taking care of. If you're dealing with someone with dementia and Alzheimer's, they have an, their intuition isn't gone. So they do have this ability to feel. And if you're angry, they know that you're they angry. They up. don't have the cognitive abilities to just say, well, that's... That's Jack, and he's having a bad time right now. They may think it's because of them. They don't know. Mm -hmm. But they pick up emotionals, yeah. and they're very intuitive about that. Yeah. I think that that is a motivator for a lot of caregivers to realize they've got to deal with themselves, or they're contaminating the work for people that really need their help. It's almost like a mirror, right? The person that you're caring for is reacting or responding to you, and you go, Oh, what am I? What am I doing here? And it's a chance for you to see how your emotions may be coming through that you aren't 
aware of? Well, it forces that. A lot of people, they have it, but they're not really challenged or forced to look at it every day. You do, you do caregiving. It'll, it's in your face. You Eventually, um, either you face it and you find new ways to deal with it in yourself, or you burn out, or you get sick. We've seen more caregivers do that. Um, but she talks about it beautifully. She really does. She, she specifically talks about her history with her family was not a good one. Um, a lot of pain, particularly with her mother. And her father, although she loved him, was quite distant. Mm -hmm. And uh, she carried a lot of anger about it and, uh, and fear of her mother. Yeah. And she talked about that. But she talked about how she had to be she had to come to grips with that herself, that that was over. And she couldn't choose to keep living in the past and carry those burdens anymore. And what made her confront that was being so involved with her father who was deteriorating with Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to be there with him. She really did, but she didn't know what it was going to bring up. And it brought up family dynamics, it brought up feelings about her mother who was a very dominant, controlling woman. Uh, her father, who she loved, but kept a certain distance um, that caused her to feel abandoned. Mm -hmm. And she loved him. And he, he did love her, she knew that, but it was a distant kind of... She had moments that she remembered very fondly, but overall she felt that he was just not quite there yes. for her. Yeah. But uh, I, I, what strikes me about reading something like this is it, it really speaks to what we're also seeing in our work at the Institute. Yes. We are seeing so many people struggling now like I've never seen before in all the years I've been doing this. The depth of the challenging t uh, uh, challenges that people are facing at this time mm -hmm. and what it's brought out, I don't think I've ever seen it on, on uh, this way before. It's, very, it's much harder for us as practitioners. Mm -hmm. um, but what I really see is that people sometimes, uh, in, they, they really believe that they're, they're dealing with things by constantly indulging the past and going back to the past and actually seeing the present totally contaminated and not even knowing it. They're not truly clean in the present mm -hmm. because their past, is they've chosen to let it define them. Um, I know that in our work, one of the things over many years that I've always paid attention to is are, do I have a, just a good client in front of me who is doing all the right work and how is it really carrying over into their real life? Into their real life. You have always made it a priority as much as possible to see. You've always said, I don't want good clients or good patients or good whatever. I want people who take this out into their life. And what we've discovered is people have slipped through plenty. You don't always know. Because they don't tell us the truth or they cover it up or they don't exactly they don't want us to know. And then we discovered things have been going on for years that we could have addressed and we couldn't even reach it because we didn't know. Mm -hmm. So yes, in front of us they were work. They seemed to be working very hard, so introspectively, and what we realized is mm -hmm. they weren't. They were indulging. They were, uh, and we. And she talks about that. That there's choices. There is one thing. That is one thing that caregiving does. It is very hard to keep going in that kind of false role <laughs> if you take on caregiving. No kidding. We have we have some one of our favorite people who works with us. Hello. We adore her. By the way, she's recovering for a knee replacement surgery. I've never seen anything so quick yes, and doing so well and looking so great so quickly. Yes. And we're very, very inspired and pleased for her. She looks great. And she's at an advanced stage. 
but she was one of those people that entered caregiving with a certain mindset, and she tended to be very artificial and phony, but angry. And performing. And performing. Yes. And she was at a point where, uh, I remember when she was helping Lynn, we were not going to let her keep working. We didn't like it. But Lynn really she got Lynn got to her before we really did. didn't like it. <laughs> and Lynn and looked, looked at her and said, you are a phony, and I don't want you here. I don't want you working like this. Mm-hmm. I don't want you around me. One thing about dementia, the filters are gone. That's what you were saying at the beginning, that, that the emotional, the thing, people who have dementia can, can really sense Absolutely, and I remember Lynn's was like, very, very in tune. Mm-hmm. And I remember Haloa was ready to hear the truth. She to made the most dramatic changes in her life through caregiving for Lynn. Today she's leading the nonprofit efforts for caregivers. Our program, She's got such a passion for it. Lynn's legacy, caring for the caregiver. Yeah. Yep. And Hello is the one that's risen to the leadership role and she's to listen to her is infectious. She's so good at it. Mm-hmm. But she went through a lot of changes and she took the, took what Lynn said personally, seriously, and loved Lynn enough to begin to turn things around. It certainly turned the rest of her life around which wasn't set up so well. But for her, she made a turnaround that has changed her life to this day. And it probably will be for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. So those things do happen. Not everybody's ready. But I'll tell you, it's something, it's almost inescapable um, to get into this kind of role. I think what's wonderful about it is that it makes you realize it's not just about the person you're caring for. It's about you and what you need to face within yourself mm-hmm. and come to understand. Um, I love the way Patty Davis talks about this. She makes, she makes some wonderful points. She talks about the burden she carried. Uh, one of them that comes to mind that I just, very, and I know it's true because I went through it, um, talking about taking negative emotions like guilt and, uh, that she carried a long time. Um, and even feeling guilty when she was doing caregiving when they'd have good moments, and we know you, that you can have those. And mm-hmm. a little joy and happiness is, really goes a long way. A little laughter goes a long way. And I know we had a lot of laughs at times. And it doesn't mean the situation is easy. It just means it goes with the territory. And you, we all need some of those moments. Mm-hmm. But she talks about the burdens of guilt. And um, she was talking about uh, feeling guilty when they had some of those good moments when the, 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 the devastation of the illness was so apparent and yet they did have sweet moments. She said she was feeling guilty. And one of the things she talked about, and this is what comes out of so much of this, is turning the guilt into gratitude and appreciation and beginning to focus on that. I can personally attest to that being such a profound change even in the midst of devastating circumstances. Um, I'm just thinking about... Are you, are you saying that her guilt was for things she'd done in the past? That was part of it, yes. But the other, she had done some things that were... Plenty. ...that were hurt, could have been hurtful to her father. They were. Yeah. And she, she owned it. This is guilty, like having good moments with her father when the thing was so bad and felt guilty okay. about that, okay. that she wasn't taking seriously how, how devastating the illness was, and she was. Yeah. But that guilt would come up, and she's. St- it's making. It's beginning to realize that needing to turn those negative emotions into gratitude and appreciation. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. talks about the long goodbye with, and I went through this with Lynn. We all did. 
Um, Linz was a long drawn out illness. It went on actually for over 10 years, but I think the most intense was about the last six, and then four and a half, pretty rough. Uh, but it was what they called a longer buy, and I can't tell you how grateful I was for every day. And I thought about the people that, and I have friends that have just had this happen, where they lose someone shockingly and, and, and you know, uh, in a devastating quick way, mm -hmm. and the person is gone. And I remember thinking, I am so glad that I have this time to say how much I love Lynn and to, to have something with her. And it was an extended period of time. It was difficult, no question about it. Yes. And yet, I was so grateful mm -hmm. that I had that with her, and it wasn't like an instantaneous loss. Yeah. So there were there's plenty of things to learn to be grateful for that are difficult. Nobody's saying that, but instead of getting into the negativity of it, to what can you be grateful for instead? When it comes to caregiving, that is so that outlook is so crucially important, and it's going to carry over into the person you're taking care of. Mm -hmm. And they're going to feel that. And it's a re very restorative relationship, um, even during very difficult times. You know, and I, I don't know if she says this, but what's coming up for me when you say this is that by doing this, by having those moments uh, of joy, uh, e even though you know the situation is very difficult, you're still sharing joy with the person that you love and recognizing that they are still who they are, even if they're not, uh, even if the dementia has diminished some of their abilities, they are still who they are, you still love them, you still want to share a moment of joy and fun with them. Absolutely. Like, we are together, we are alive, let's have a little fun. And boy, I'll tell you, I was grateful for every, I can, I can tell you honestly, I was grateful for every hour that I had with Lynn over that period of time, mm -hmm. and I let her know. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is she wasn't one of these dementia-type patients that was very difficult. She was appreciative, she was grateful, she showed courage and strength and perseverance and caring. I think sometimes she kept going almost for the sake of me and others. I know she did. Because, and, she, and she had to suffer such indignities which go with this cruel disease. And I saw a courage in her and a strength that was undeniable. And she was really one of the strongest persons I've ever met. But I saw it during these very adverse circumstances, and she came through astoundingly well. And I was appreciative for every moment. I was touched deeply, but I was so grateful for her. I learned a lot, you learned a lot, everybody on our teams learned a lot that was willing to be on the front lines. Yeah. And part of our teams learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Enough to be inspired to want to reach out to other families and other caregivers in need to begin to put together training programs to help preserve yourselves, to help, to help you sustain yourself during these very difficult times that you're in, and also to learn and grow from it and become a better person through it. I think it's a privilege, total privilege, to be able to do this. For those that, I know there's many that can't, it's too overwhelming, they run away, they don't know what they've missed. It's only when you've done it and been there that it makes all that kind. It makes such a profound difference. 
Um, I, you can't tell that to someone who hasn't done it. No, you can't. You can't. And that's why this book that she's written yeah. is so infectious and so intelligent and touching. She's been there. Mm -hmm. She's it changed her life and she, it's given her her life's direction. And that's what she's doing to this day is helping other caregivers because she understands what it takes. And she's got an intelligence mm -hmm. um, about the skills levels, too. She yeah. talks about that plenty. We've got just a couple more minutes. I know you've been walked, looking at one particular passage in the book. I don't know if you want to go into it. Which but one? You've been talking about, we started talk, today talking about how we, the need to grow up and face some emotions. And she had to work through anger. I remember. Yes. And you've, there's a passage you've been sharing this week about uh, how she sees the anger never really is gone, but you can oh. work through it and strengthen yourself so that it no longer defines you. Yeah. Would you like to share some of that before? I'd we... love to. I just got to find the page. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Oh, here. Um, well, she talks quite a bit about her anger. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm trying to see where you... She talks about, she starts the passage by talking about how the person you're caring for may pick up on your anger. She talks about that a lot. And, and then that is the opportunity for you to look at your own and to... Oh, okay. Uh, strengthen other parts of you so that the anger is no longer the major okay. thing that... Yes, but I just ran a something. Okay. It says, dementia is tricky for the caregiver when it comes to defining the cause of his or, own, his or her own emotion. She's talking about the caregiver. It's easy to say, I'm just angry because of this unfair disease, or I just lose my temper when my parent becomes irascible and obstinate. And sometimes, for some people, that's true. But there are other situations in which a lifetime of emotions come into play. I think we are all more aware of our internal landscapes than we like to admit. When there is old, time-worn anger in you, you know it. It says dementia provides you with an opportunity to change something you've spent years turning away from. It's a choice, though. You can keep turning away from it, but then you'll miss the learning of the valuable lessons that dementia can teach. Um, I know which part you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay, let me see if I can find. See, this is what happens, folks, when you let you. Yeah, I was enjoying I the book put so you much. On the spot. I have so many. That was a good one that you just read, though. Yeah, That's I have important. so many underlines. Um, That's quite a few. Uh, yeah. We can come back to it. Next I guess time. we'll have to. Well, I we can. can come back to it next time. Yeah, this is a good book, folks. This is definitely worth returning to. Yeah. 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 What would you like to leave people with You want me to today? read it? Because I just found it. Oh, you found it? Okay. We'll leave people with this. Hang on there. Okay. Okay. Got it says, while dealing with your own emotion, deep emotions can definitely have a beneficial effect on a loved one who has dementia, it's not just about them. It's about you and the path of your life. We all have broken places in us. We all have been wounded in some way, and we have the scars to prove it. For many people, those broken places happened in childhood at the hands of a parent. The truth is that those broken places will always be there. You will always have the history you had. You can't go back and change it or even heal it. What you can do is build up some emotional musculature around the weak places so they don't define you anymore. I've heard people talk about the families they have created with close friends 
where they have found the love and support that wasn't there with their biological family. I've also heard people say that getting involved with charity work gave them the sustenance and self-worth they didn't get when they were growing up. She, she used a metaphor about a fellow who uh, had bad knee, if this is before knee surgeries, um, and he talked about how he built a musculature around it. And she says, um, rather than thinking, how do I take away these wounds, or how do I undo the damage my abusive parent caused, think about adding things internally that will strengthen and develop your emotional musculature so that those broken places, those old wounds, are just a small part of you. They represent things that happened to you. They don't have to represent, represent who you are today. <laughs> it's very, very So good. profound and it's, so well said. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I have to say, I'm so impressed with this book. But we are so committed with helping people. Um, as caregivers, we're caregivers, we're on the front lines with people. We also see a lot of the things she's talking about in other people who aren't caregivers, mm -hmm. yeah. who are struggling and immersed and can't find their way out and haven't made the new choices. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're a caregiver, you are forced, your back is eventually to the wall. You are going to either deal with it or you're going to go down the flames. That's what we've discovered. Yeah. So, folks, these, these kinds of podcasts that we're doing are to help and encourage the caregiver to give you a new transfusion of hope and to lift you up and let you know you're not alone and even when you're going through these difficult internal battles you can and will come out ahead hang in there really and we hope that what we're doing here is giving you a little life blood to keep you going during some very difficult times please stay with it and please know that anything you need all you have to do is get in touch with us and our people we're here for you we are. We'll and be back we'll, again next time. We'll be back. We With will more. be back. Yes, yes. And, and we're glad to have this opportunity. And we send you all our best wishes and blessings for what you're doing. And thank you. The Survivor's Guide to Life podcast is brought to you by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment at sctraumatreatment.org. They're a 501c3 public charity. And uh, we are here because they are sponsoring us. And think about you supporting them. We are the Survivor's Guide to Life.com. We're on Spotify, all the regular podcast outlets. We have our own YouTube channel. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Please like and share. Peter and I can be reached at 707-781-3335 or Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.